Hey everybody, welcome to the, the monthly Learning to Lead podcast. This month I am privileged and honored to sit down with Penny Samaya. Uh, Penny is currently the Assistant Athletic Director of Student Life at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, where he was a four-year letter winner with the Panthers from 2000 to 2004 and earned his bachelor's degree in anthropology with related areas in sociology and performance from Pitt in 2003. Um, in 2011, Penny was named an introductory member of the, of the 2011 and 2012 National Collegiate Advisory Board. He was also selected as one of Pittsburgh's 50 finest by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. He's also a mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Greater Pittsburgh, a volunteer with the Asian and Pacific Islanders of America Scholarship Fund, and a member of the NCAA Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And most recently, last month in February 2012, he was the recipient of the Chancellor's Award for Staff Excellence and Service to the Community. So while that is a mouthful. Uh, I met Penny a few months ago. He was speaking at a breakfast with a mutual friend, and he shared on a concept called high five and a smile, with that, which I have since stolen and, and shared everywhere. But I love Penny. I was drew to him by his passion for leadership and growth in others, and so I thought I have to get together with this guy, and I thought I'd offer it to all of you guys as well so you can learn from him. So, Penny, welcome. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. I appreciate it. Thanks for being open to do this. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, excited to be here. The high five and a smile. I'm glad you took that away uh, from our meeting there and uh, share it along with others. Yeah, it was great. So, hey, tell us about yourself. You know, where were you born? How did you get mm-hmm. to Pitt? And how did you get to where you are now? Well, uh, I am one of seven kids. Uh, grew up in Utica, New York, by way of San Diego, uh, California. Um, grew up in a household with six kids, though. Uh, my eldest brother currently lives in American Samoa. Uh, where my grandmother wow. and where my parents are from, actually. So uh, growing up, it was it was always fun because we had so many kids in the house. Uh, my mother did a great job in raising us, single parent. Um, you know, didn't grow up in the too friendly of an environment per se, but we grew up with a loving, caring neighborhood. You know, I always praised the neighborhood of Cornhill, uh, Utica, New York, where I grew up because we grew up in an environment of... Uh, the mentality that it takes a it takes a village to raise a child, hmm. and we had great parents on our neighborhood block. So, um, grew up there. Came to University of Pittsburgh on a, a athletic scholarship. You know, they offered me. It was it was definitely a great opportunity. Fell in love with the city on my visit. It was urban. It was uh, it was different. It was big. It was uh, really neat coming on campus because the campus itself was really diverse. Uh, in my opinion, and it, it kind of felt at home, but at the same time, you, you had that bigger feel. So, uh, been here since 1999 and still loving it. So, yeah, that's great. Well, as I was reading about you, I mean, it just seems like you're pretty level-headed your whole life, always interested in leadership and and getting involved as much as you can. And I read in one interview you said that you uh, that giving back was instilled in you from a very young age. And so I was just curious, how was that instilled in you as a young person, and how did you grow up as you did coming to Pitt? Well. Um, Growing in the environment I did, you know, there was a lot of families that, you know, just didn't have a lot a lot of money or a lot of possessions. And uh, knowing the culture of the neighborhood we lived in, we, I actually lived in a really diverse um, city, one of the most diverse in the uh, country per capita, uh, which was written by the United Nations magazine. Um, but seeing how we grew up, we didn't grow up with much, but we had a very, very uh, strong mother. And my brothers and I uh, and my sisters, we always 
had that open heart because of my mother's upbringing, because of the way she raised us. And there'd be times where we'd have friends who were worse off than we were. You know, um, one in particular lost both his parents in the same same year. Um, my mother pretty much opened up our house to them, knowing we didn't have much, but we had enough for another. Um, and we kind of had those kids that would come in and come out um, not expecting anything else but other than living under my mother's rules. You know, uh, we had one gentleman who lived with us, moved to Utica, New York from Long Island, didn't know anybody, met my brothers through work at Taco Bell when they were teenagers, and um, my mother opened up our home to her, so or to him. Um, it, it was just something that you recognize. It was nothing that was more or less taught in a in an educational sense, but it was something you recognize, you know, and my mom's a very hard worker, you know, she's worked, you know, multiple jobs her whole life, you know, factory type jobs and her passion just for people and, uh, relating to them, you know, her herself being, you know, not a native American, but, you know, from an island of Samoa. So, um, it, it was really neat growing up and watching that and seeing that. And, you know, we, we'd be the type of kids where, We'd go out and shovel the entire neighborhood's driveways because you know it could be a bunch of um, older uh, neighbors, you know, who don't who can't yeah. get out and shovel their driveways. And That's in upstate awesome. New York, the snow is pretty steep, so you know, any random time, me and my brothers would just go out and just shovel everybody's driveway for them. Wow! So it, it, it was it was neat because it's not just me; it's all my siblings. You know, we all have that caring nature, that good spirit about us, and all praise to my mother and my aunt, who lives in upstate New York as well. Yeah, they sound like incredible people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Well, it seemed like, you know, in high school and college, you, you were always involved with something, all kind of activities, all different kind of leadership groups. Can you talk a little bit about why it's so part, important to be a part of these things and maybe a few of the favorite ones that you were a part of and how they helped you become who you are today? Well, I kind of feel I've been at a at an advantage. I'm 6'5", over 300 pounds, <laughs> so I kind of have that physical presence. Um, and it's not an intimidating presence, um, you know, from a negative standpoint, but it's one that draws attention. And I've always used that to my advantage because I can say something and get a positive reaction out of people because of how I'm saying it and my size. So, yeah. How big um, were you in high school? I mean, were you just... And, well, I, I, in high school, I was still about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, probably about 275. <laughs> um, but, you Your know... Your brothers and sisters that big? Yeah, all my brothers and I were all over 6'2". Wow. Yeah, so my, my sisters are shorter, so... <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but... Yeah, just talking about leadership, and one, I've always had that curious nature, like, all right, what's this? I'd rather try it and know I don't like it instead of guess hmm. and not knowing whether or not I like it or not. So that was one. And two, um, just being willing to step up. You know, one thing I am very much for is encouragement and showing people um, or allowing people to shine. You know, I love it when I'm hanging out with somebody and they have a hidden talent that they don't want to expose but through encouragement, through showing them, and you let them be that that star, that leader, that, that being. You know, let them feel that. That's a great feeling of being able to just shine. And, you know, um, whether it's it's someone who who doesn't have that confidence or someone who's never been just exposed to it, you know, that's the underdog mentality that I have. Like, I always root for the underdog. I want them to succeed. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, what are some of the best leadership experiences you've had in your life and why? Um, I'll say the first year I 
facilitated a national conference. It was in 2007. It was for the NCAA. They had over uh, 700 athletes from around the world, and I was selected as one of the facilitators. It was, it was neat because um, I met this young girl from Hawaii. She was a sophomore. She was from Hilo, Hawaii. Never been off the islands. Wow. But uh, she, she was from Hawaii, um, and she's never been around too many people of other cultures, other ethnicities. So her coming to Florida was a huge step, So probably one of the biggest things she's ever done. And she kind of felt insecure at first, and then I caught her eye when we were registering, and I approached her. And later on in the trip, she wrote me a note saying, you know, at first I was scared, but then when I saw your face, I recognized a fellow Polynesian. I felt at ease. And she went on to talk about, um, throughout that week, what she wanted to do. She wanted to combine her culture, the Hawaiian native culture, with modern science because she felt there was a huge disconnect, especially on the tiny island where she was from. Um, and through the years, uh, we've, we've kept up to date and followed up. She's married with children now, which is beautiful. And But she ended up getting an internship with NASA. No way. Yeah. And um, she worked on a project, an idea of navigating Mars, utilizing the Hawaiian native stargazing system. And she'll send me a, a Facebook invite about uh, the Stargazers Festival that they now host in the islands. And it was just amazing, knowing what she sparked as as an idea and seeing where that idea has grown to today has just been unreal. Wow. So that's that's probably one of the most gratifying moments and one of my most cherished um, positions as a leader because I didn't necessarily draw it out, but just seeing it grow, you know, and just being a part of, of that was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great story. So let's talk about your experience of playing football at Pitt. Obviously, a lot of people would love to, to play D1 football, get a scholarship. So what was it like? What was it like being on the team? What was it like being in the spotlight and all that? Yeah, it, it was um, it was awesome. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, um, I love Pitt. Like, this is, this is my home. Uh, this institution has helped groom me playing football here, the rich tradition, knowing all the wonderful players that have come through these doors and who I played with and who will be here in the future. You know, just the rich tradition of Pitt is is just amazing. And uh, being a part of that, you know, I came in not knowing anything. You know, uh, in my high school days, I just was the biggest guy. I could do things that other guys my size couldn't do than coming here. Everyone could do that and then some. <laughs> so it was a reality check. One of my favorite stories uh, is that my freshman year, we used to travel to Pitt Johnstown to do camp three days, which isn't in existence anymore. You can't do three days. Huh. But I remember lining up, starting at guard because the two kids in front of me were out of that practice due to injury. So here I am, a 17 year old kid going up against a 22 year old grizzled veteran in Demon <laughs> Gibson who happened to be all Big East defensive lineman oh, um, the previous year who's a great friend and mentor to me um, but I had to block this guy and I'm like alright whatever I gotta do yeah. um, so I cut block him and he was furious because he says the first time he's been cut blocked since he was in high school. Wow. And then the next play, though, I wasn't so successful. He tossed <laughs> me like a rag. And, nice. You know, being as big as I was back then, uh, no, that's not an easy task. But 
playing here was great. I cherished the memories, the moments, the crowds, the atmospheres, the wins, even the losses. Um, uh, it, it's, it was just amazing. And, you know, just for the record, I wasn't even a starter. But knowing what my role was on the team, helping in any facet that I could, you know, that's exactly why I love it here. Because you don't need to be a an All-American to wear that pit football pride. You know, I was a backup role. I knew it. I, I worked my butt off in that position. And I, I participated and contributed in other facets. So yeah. that's that's why I love this institution so much. Hey, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, was that hard to... to realize you weren't starting and still give 100% because I'm sure, I mean, even the 360-degree leader in the business yeah. world, you know, someone who's not top management, but they're just kind of in the middle, they don't really feel like they have a leadership role or authority, you know, how do you deal with those situations? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not easy. I'll tell you what, um, anybody coming into a Division One program, you got to have the mentality and the attitude that you're going to play and you're going to start. Um, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have that. But then through time, reality starts to strike. You know, I, unfortunately, I went through two surgeries, two shoulder surgeries, back-to-back years. And, uh, um, you know, the challenge of knowing that you're not going to be playing, but you're still competing, you really have to look yourself in the mirror and say, all right, where's the best spot for me? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I did was, hey, fine, I know I'm a senior. The kid who's playing right now in the same position as I am is two years younger than me. I'm going to make sure he's going to play his butt off and make sure he knows what he's going to do. Yeah. So we roomed on all those away trips. Wow. I tutored him. We worked together. You know, How can we help prepare the team, not myself? You really got to put your selfish um, mentalities and thoughts aside and see what's best for the team. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's transition. So you went from a player to now you're in charge of the life skills program at Pitt where you get to work with the same student-athletes so they were in the same position you were in years ago, help prepare them for life. Can you talk a little bit about what the program is and how it works? Sure. Um, through our, our program, which is um, called the Kathy and John Pelusi Family Life Skills Program, our mission is to help prepare our student-athletes for success in life today and for success in life beyond. Um, it's not a, a, a one-stop shop program where you're going to learn everything just for college. But we really want to help develop the skill sets that's going to make you successful throughout life. And that's, that's another great reason why, why Pitt is such a great place, because they understand and know that at the institutional level, our student affairs, Dr. Kathy Humphreys, she wants to help provide the best undergraduate experience in the world. And by providing that, you've got to know what those intangibles are. And um, we believe that developing these particular skill sets in these what we call eight commitment areas help you to then define your skills and will eventually become the success in your futures. So we work on everything from academic um, achievement, athletic achievement, community outreach, personal development, career and graduate school preparation, financial literacy, um, health and wellness topics, and then character and leadership development. I mean, take financial literacy, for example. If you're not a business major, how are you learning to budget your money? Hmm, where are you learning to pay rent? How, are you, how do you even know where to go to turn on your lights? Chances are it's that first-time experience. Like, when you're going to learn how to pay rent is when that landlord's asking you for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. So we want to address issues and topics that we know we'll all face one day. Um, we just want to do a proactive approach to it. Yeah. Are all student-athletes required to go through your program, or is it optional? Well, there are, our program is pretty much um, formatted in a way where we address 
certain topics and areas at certain times and periods in your student-athlete experience. So, for example, we'll hit budgeting and managing finances early on, but then later on in your career, um, we'll, we'll start to hunker down on career placement and development as your junior, senior. So there are certain time frames where, excuse me, we've identified areas um, through surveys and research and national trends that are more important at certain times of your phase. Yeah, that's good. So in both your experience as an athlete and even the ones that you oversee now, you know, what would you say that really sets athletes apart from one another? I mean, the ones that really get it, they thrive regardless mm-hmm. of whether they go to be pros or whatever right. versus those who maybe just don't get it, they don't want it. Right. You know, what are the big differences? Well, it's um, there, there tends to be a uniqueness of challenges. I mean, when you look at all 19 of our sports, there are some that have a professional outlet. There are some that don't. For example, um, football, basketball, baseball. There are major league programs in this country. Volleyball, soccers, um, and uh, some, some other sports. Their major leagues are overseas. But then there are some sports where there is no professional outlet. Um, you know, For example, like gymnastics, some people talk about um, going to the Olympics for gymnastics, swimming and diving and so forth. But those programs or those those athletes tend to go into that prior to the college age. So really um, the different levels, what separates it is really what's at the end of those professional careers or those collegiate careers. So um, not saying that one group takes them more seriously than others. There are just unique challenges with each set. And that's where we come into play. You know, myself being a former football player, we also have Austin Ransom, who's a former football player, um, and we were both very well in depth with our student athletes when we were student athletes. We were ingrained with the culture of the university. We know how to work with each group at, to best address those issues. Yeah. Are there some students that just don't, I mean, do you, what would you say like the main characteristics are of, of a student athlete who really gets it and can go on? I mean, obviously you've done well for yourself beyond college. Is, is that a majority of, of athletes that you see move on and they do well, or is it a mix? Um, I would say, to be to be very honest, yeah. it's probably a higher mix of successes and progression, but the support system is is there to help. Um, the hardest thing, I would say, the number one issues that all student athletes face is the balance. And to be honest with you, that could be any collegiate student, whether they're in sports or not in sports. It's the balance. The balance of the academics, the balance of the other outlets, the balance of the social. So other outlets, meaning athletics, whether you're in extracurricular activities through the government board or what have you. Um, and then the social side of how are you when you're not in a structured format. So whether you're at a, a social event or a party, how are you handling it living on your own? How are you handling, you know, having roommates? You know, there, those are, there are those key elements that play a big part into how you're going to develop as an adult. So if you can't balance your time as a college student, and you graduate, then you have a career, you're already behind the eight ball because some people learn how to balance ahead of you. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that social side? So, obviously, you know, when people think of the college lifestyle, they think of the parties, the drinking, yeah. and everything like that. I mean, was that difficult for you to balance as a, as a student athlete? And do you find that being a big struggle for the athletes today? And if so, you know, how do you really address that with someone? You know, even if you're speaking to a 20 something out there yeah. who right now they know what's right, but then the peer pressure that comes with all of that, I mean, how do you. Well, um, 
I think it really stays true to who you are. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had a great social life in college, but I also did what I had to do academically and athletically. Although I didn't play, I had to do what I had to do to be a part of it. You know, I worked my butt off there. I worked my butt off academically. And I worked my butt off socially. Um, that allowed me to be who I am. It, it really um, takes that sense of balance again, but also the support systems. You can't be afraid of support systems. You cannot be afraid to ask for help. Um, I know, for example, when there were times I was struggling academically in certain classes, we have wonderful resources and academic support. When I knew I was going overboard socially, like, hey, I had great friends around me, um, like my best friend today, Lusaka Polite. You know, he, he didn't engage in alcohol. He didn't drink when we were in college. He kind of served as my, um, I always called him my conscience. Like him <laughs> and, and another friend, uh, Claude Harriet, who was kind of like our team, our team chaplain, if you will, because mm-hmm. he was the one that introduced me to the Lord by taking me to my first Bible study uh, as a freshman in Pitt Stadium. And he's been there ever, ever since then, even to this day. I just talked to him literally like this weekend. Wow. And we all keep in contact with each other. We all um, built that relationship because of the wonderful things we did for one another in undergrad. They were my support systems. I was their support systems. So being around the people that you want to be around for the rest of your life, identifying those folks at a young age will help you grow. That's good stuff. So I'm just curious, do you have a story of maybe one student who you really saw, you know, they came in and their life was a mess and, you know, through their experience here at Pitt and athletics and through the life skills department, they just really got in and have gone on to, you know, do you have a favorite story like that? Um, you know what? I, I want to say his life was a mess, but um, he was someone who probably wasn't as organized or balanced, just going back to our theme is balanced as uh, some other others were, but there's a, there was a kid who came in, played baseball, um, wonderful, wonderful guy from Miami, Miami, Florida. He came in, played baseball, really active in the social scene, but had a great personality. He participated in everything uh, from our student athlete advisory committee to eventually I hired him as an intern. You know, um, his grades were always decent, but understanding the balance. You know, there were times where he might have struggled at understanding the balance, um, taking work seriously, and just grooming him and showing him the examples, putting him in an environment of leadership and allowing him to develop those skills. I'm happy to report today he, this is probably four years after the fact, great job working in UPMC as a senior analyst, married um, to his college sweetheart, uh, who's also a former student athlete at Pitt, um, travels the world for both work and pleasure, and, uh, you know, owns a home right here in the city, and he now comes back as a networker. So whenever I need someone in his field, I know who I could call. And he can speak not only from experience of the career side, but experience of the social side. Hey, man, college, you got to learn that balance. You know, it might have took him a little extra year longer, but he eventually learned it, and now he's mastered it. Now he's a father himself, a businessman, and, and a success story. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So what have you learned personally from leading all these student athletes? <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nah, uh, you have to be 
adaptable. Um, everything is a case by case. You cannot categorize anything. Uh, I love that because I just turned 30 and I feel more mature beyond my age says because each year you are presented with a new set of challenges. The generation gap is closing so much quicker. I mean, there are things that this generation faces that my generation never did. And I'm only seven years removed from college. Um, there are going to be things five years from now that they'll face that this generation will never ever see. So being adaptable and innovative on how you work with the issues at hand will help you prepare for that success. Great. So let's talk a little bit. We'll finish up with talking about maybe some of your personal philosophies on leadership. Uh, obviously, I have to bring up, we talked about it before, but high five and a smile. That's one of, I, mean, I haven't been around you that long, but that's one of my favorite lessons. Can you talk about high five and a smile, that whole concept? Sure, yeah. It, it kind of started out as a, uh, uh, not necessarily a joke, but kind of an icebreaker. I'd be some random place and with some friends, and they know my personality, know who I am. And I think it, I first started it in a restaurant. You know, the, the, the server came up kind of looked like they were having a down day. So I was just like, you know what? Hey, high five and smile. Bang. I hit her with the high five and a smile and she she was great. You know, yeah. she she enjoyed coming to our table. She um, you know, she filled our glasses of water up faster. You know, it it, it just kind of showed what such a small good deed can do for someone's experience. So as time went on, I just started doing it more and more, and it kind of became a running joke with my friends. Whenever they would see me, they'd even offer a high five and a smile. And I'll tell you this funny story. It actually just happened. At, uh, I talked to my mother after church every Sunday, right? So I know mama's boy type deal. But it's awesome. Yeah, I, I talked I talk to my mom, and she was uh, telling me about how she was kind of having a, a, a crappy week at work, you know. Um, things weren't going too well. Uh, so I said, you know what, Mom, I'm challenging you. She said, what? I was like, first thing you do Monday morning when you get in the office, go up to your coworkers, walk right up to them, just say high five and a smile, and give them a high five. <laughs> and my mom's familiar with it. She always sees me posting on, on Facebook and whatnot. Yeah. And she started laughing. Well, last night, I got a text from her on my way home, and she said, I did it. So I called her immediately, and my mom was just all laughs. She was just rolling because uh, she went up to her coworkers. She did it. She went up to her supervisor. She did a high five. And actually, she said that the day was so much better because everyone was laughing, everyone's spirit. So that kind of shows you the spirit of the high five and a smile. Yeah. If not for ever, for that one moment, it'll make an impact because it's almost pure. It's like, hey, high five and a smile. Who yeah. doesn't want a high five and a smile? I love it. I love it. Well, I'm sure you know your mom's one of the answers to the next questions. But who are some of the heroes and mentors in your life that have really made an impact in you, and what did they teach you? Yeah, definitely my mother. Um, my mother taught me the power of compassion, um, empathy, not trying to feel sorry for people, but trying to understand and, and appreciate it. Uh, I had great professors here at the University of Pittsburgh, Dr. Scaglione, my uh, one of my anthropology professors. Actually, the first class I ever took was cultures of anthropology, um, intro to anthropology, uh, and I sat front row, left seat in a 400 auditorium, and uh, I had a high top fade that was out of this <laughs> world, and Dr. Scaglino recognized me as a Polynesian, and we got to talking, he's still a good good friend. Um, Dr. Apotropoulos in sociology, 
wonderful, wonderful professor. Um, took n- numerous classes of his and uh, really cha- challenged my thinking process on the social side and the social impact that we can have as individuals. Um, big fan of um, of legends such as Mahatma Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King, um, and also from a personal side, I've just had very, very great mentors um, from Lewis McCauley, who's um, a very, very good friend. He's uh, Lusaka Blake's father, um, works at CMU, but has taken care of me since I was 17 here in the city, always served as a great father figure, not only to me, but all the teammates that came in with that class. You know, we came in with about 25 guys, 20 of us left together, which is rare. The fact that, you know, 20 guys from one class leaves at the same time, but we grew and we still keep in contact with one another. Um, so he's been impactful. Donna Samp, um, my current supervisor, really helped bring me to the profession who I am. Um, Donna Sloan, another one of my spiritual guides who I work in this office with, and um, my siblings, you know, my, my brothers and sisters challenge me every day to be great because when I look at what the things that they do, um, their family men, you know, my sisters both work in hospitals and they're always in that nurturing field, that caring field, and seeing the work and drive that they have pushes me to, to be the same. It's awesome. So. And this is, uh, uh, are you a reader? And if so, what books have impacted you? Um, I am a reader. But I'm even worse at, re- at remembering what I read. Uh, I kind of read multiple books at times, but I would say my brain food, like I, I guess my desserts, would be mystery novels. Really? Big Patterson, James Patterson series fans. Um, currently reading a book on networking. Um, forgot the name of it, but a friend sent it to me. Um, just kind of talking about the impact and power of networking. Yeah. Um, okay, well, on that topic, you're a great networker. Give us a tip on networking because you're phenomenal at it. <laughs> I look up to you in that area. Um, one, don't go in there with arrogance, go in with confidence. Arrogance will be more recognizable than confidence, and it's a bigger turnoff. Um, listening is key. Don't go in there trying to present yourself. Also, gather information because that is going to be very important when it comes to the third element, the follow-through, follow-up. You know, sending out an email, quick note, after every business card you receive, write something down about that person that will help you remember who they are, what you talked about, right on the back of the card. So the next day or that night when you're sending a, a, a thank you note or email, you'll know exactly what to say in it. You always set a uh, requirement of how many cards you got to back with, right? For I do. Team. I always do a 10 for 10. <laughs> I want I want to give away 10 cards, and I want to take back 10 cards, minimum. So there's been days where I've come home with, like, 25 business cards. Wow. You know, there's many days where I always um, run out of business cards. So sometimes I'll be wearing, I'll be rocking two, three business card holders on me. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So as we finish up, where's Penny Samai in 20 years? Whew, 20 years. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Um, in 20 years, I would love to have said that I've, I'm in a different place. You know, where that is, that's, on, that's only for God to know. I'll, I'll work anywhere towards his mission for me. Um, but if I had my druthers, I'd love to be kind of in an independent setting of, 
uh, consulting and sharing my knowledge and my passion for the high five and the smile, you know, on a, on a national, if not global level. You know, I love two individuals, I think, too, that I failed to mention was Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry. Their impact for positive spirit is amazing. And I would love to have a stage or a format where I can share that same philosophy. That's great. Well, I think you're well on your way to that. So I'll be excited to see you in 20 years. And so we finish up, any last pieces of advice for our listeners you want to throw out there? Uh, you know what? No, I, I, there's n- no more advice I can give than what they can just discover for themselves. You know, it's just keep your eyes open, turn, take the blinders off, and keep an open mind. Great. And if someone wanted to connect with you, someone wanted to, you know, bring you out to speak at an engagement or something like that, what's the best way to connect? Uh, you could just shoot me an email, psamaya, S-E-M-A-I-A, at gmail.com, and I'm more than happy to speak anywhere and talk to anyone. That's great. We well, appreciate right. your time. We'll have to do this again. Uh, oh, definitely. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, thanks man. Yeah.